Hello and welcome everyone to this special program here on AM 1260, The Rock, Cleveland Catholic Radio. Our special program uh, is with Father Jason Sharon. Father Jason is a priest of the Eparchy of St. Josephat, Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy of St. Josephat in Parma. And he's currently uh, assigned in the Pittsburgh area. And uh, we're going to be talking with Father Jason uh, Sharon for about the next half hour about some issues that are very uh, near and dear to him and should be to all of us as well. Father Sharon, welcome to AM 1260 The Rock. Great for you to be with us today. Glory to God and great to be here. Glory to Jesus Christ and glory forever. Father, before we start our, uh, our discussion of uh, some uh, topics, uh, as I said, that, that are very uh, close and should be to all of us listening, particularly pro-life issues, uh, would you begin our discussion here with a quick prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. More honorable than the cherubim, and by far more glorious than the seraphim. Ever a virgin, you gave birth to God the Word. O true Mother of God, we magnify you. Intercede for us, Blessed Mother. Protect us. Place us under your protective mantle, that we, as your children, may be presented on that last and glorious day before the throne of your Son, our King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father Jason, even though you are assigned in Pittsburgh, you are a priest of the, uh, the Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy of St. Josephat in Parma. And I, I want to begin our uh, discussion here today with an issue that is facing all of us on voting day in early November here in Ohio, and that is uh, issue one, uh, that would enshrine so-called abortion rights in the Ohio Constitution. It would do a lot of things that, uh, uh, we just put it uh, very succinctly, it would undo basically all the pro-life advances made in this state for about the last 50 years since Roe v. Wade. It, it would be a, a catastrophe of unimaginable proportions to women, children, families, babies, and uh, I would say even injurious to all of those uh, who hold, teach, and uh, practice our Holy Catholic faith. Uh, Father Jason, you and I have had some uh, private discussions about about issue one. For those who are listening here, what can you tell us as the urgency draws very near now, uh, just over a week away? Yeah, you know, I'd say uh, we have to look at the example that God gives us in nature. When you look at the bald eagle and it being attacked by a black raven, um, it doesn't go down to get rid of the raven. It goes high, and the higher the altitude the uh, less the raven is able to breathe, and the raven drops off the eagle. And uh, that's what we have to do as uh, sons and daughters of the living God, is we have to realize that these battles that we face are of the utmost cosmic importance, and we have to reorient ourselves uh, to a spiritual worldview and to see that these are not simply political, legislative, uh, cultural, social battles. Uh, we have to orient ourselves uh, on high and uh, see these things in the universal perspective as they are seen from God, and this is a spiritual combat and one of the utmost significance because it deals with that very first gift that God gave man and woman, uh, the gift of life. So what we need to do is we need to go high. Uh, we need to reorient ourselves and get the perspective uh, that is necessary for victory, and that means uh, seeing abortion for what it is. It is uh, a demonic attack on the image of God, uh, and it's, that's why uh, the devil is so invested in this battle, because it is an attack on God himself. We are his image. Uh, so we need to have the proper perspective. 
you know, uh, we, we Americans love uh, sports, baseball, basketball, hockey, football, you name it. And any coach, any coach who's been successful will tell you that the key to his success is changing the mindset of his players. Uh, that's what has, needs to happen to the body of Christ, is we cannot simply passively pass through this challenge as another cultural, social, political, legislative challenge to our faith. This is an existential affront to God, because it's an attack on his image and likeness, and we need to get our battleships lined up. It's an attack on his image and likeness, Father Sharon, in the faces and in the bodies of his most weak, vulnerable, and youngest uh, creations, those of babies, uh, recently born, unborn, being formed uh, wonderfully knit together in their mother's wombs. Father, why is it that so many people Christians and Catholics included, seem to have closed their eyes to this fact and either said, let somebody else worry about it, or I don't want to think about it. I think ultimately it's because they've come to forget that our true homeland is heaven. And I think that's, that's what the key. The key here is uh, this is not our homeland. If this were our homeland, then let's just get along. You know, let's, let's go according to the lowest common denominator and get along and create as few waves as possible. But if, if Christians have, uh, have renewed their minds in Christ, Romans 12, you know, and they see things from Christ's perspective, they realize that they are uh, strangers and sojourners in exile. And uh, we are here temporarily to prove ourselves worthy of an everlasting citizenship. I think that's the problem, is we've just lost our uh, long-term view of the heavenly citizenship to which we're called. And we've become secularized. We've become defanged, declawed, and neutered. And instead of uh, being images of the mighty lion of the tribe of Judah, we become domesticated house cats, for afraid of offending the other people who live, you know, in, in this, this house. I think that's at the problem of it. It's just an amnesia of our divine calling and of our heavenly homeland. On the other side, the forces of uh, demonic activity, those who are waging the spiritual war from the netherworld, seem to be, Father, very well equipped in their contrivances using things of the world, advertising, lies, manipulation, thought control, all these sort of things just over and over and over again. It seems at times that we are outgunned, outnumbered, outthought, outmaneuvered. Is this the case? It is. It is. And Jesus told us this. He said that the, you know, the sons of darkness, the sons of this world, are uh, more cunning than we are. He, he speaks about this. Uh, so we shouldn't be surprised when the, the followers of Moloch and uh, those who want to spill the blood of innocent children um, are, are outgunning us and they're, they're outmaneuvering us. The one thing that we, the, the, the simple ones, you know, the little ones of God, the one thing we have that is in our arsenal that we can use to defeat these is the one thing we're not using, and that is the Mass, the, the Divine Liturgy, the Eucharist, is that, you know, this is the focal point of spiritual victory and defeat is the utilization of Christ's once-for-all sacrifice, and that's in our arsenal, and we're not availing ourselves of it. And we have to, we have to realize that the sons of darkness, the sons of this world, they are more cunning than we are. They have no guile. They're, they're guileless. They have no shame in avoiding the innocent, in lying, in deceiving, and manipulating, and playing on people's fears and, and what have you. Uh, so we are 
to uh, simply use the one thing that God gave us, and that is his son's sacrifice, the, the liturgy, and to use that to the ultimate end, uh, which is victory, both in this world but ultimately in the next. Um, and that's just not happening. I think our, our leadership and I think that the body of Christ in general in our country is just a, is gun-shy, you know, to use the Eucharistic arsenal that we have uh, at our side in order to, to bring about victory. Ultimately, they're also afraid to speak about what we're facing, and what we're facing is a battle of altars. This is a blood sacrifice. That's what abortion is. If we're a biblical people and if we're, in, if we're interpreting these events with biblical eyes, this is a form of Moloch worship that the ancient Israelites engaged in when they offered up their young through the idol of Moloch. It's the uh, exact same thing that's happening now. It's nothing new. It's simply a, a repeat of what the Israel of old went through. And now we, the new Israel, are going through that said same form of idol worship. And the, that, that demon requires that little children be offered to it. So the way that, that the Israelites of old defeated uh, that demon was by, you know, you see it in Elijah, that Elijah confronts the false prophets of Baal and defeats them liturgically by using the altar, the, the means that he was given to demonstrate the power of the living God. Uh, we also need to do that. But our sacrifice is far greater than the one that Elijah offered. Our sacrifice is the eternal bloodless sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God. And we're gun-shy. We're ashamed to say that this is about God. We're, we're, we prefer to, to tone it down and to interpret these events through the lens of uh, it's a culture war, it's a medical issue. No. We need to call things out and say what they are. This is a cataclysmic spiritual combat, and it's a combat between altars, and it's combat between the living God and the idol of Moloch. And here in Ohio, in the case of our Issue 1, uh, Father Jason Sharon, this is exactly what it is. This is a pivotal battle. And many of those who are aligned on the right side and who have spoken out, and as you say, there are, there are fewer than there should be. Father, is it not our moral obligation at times like this to speak, to vote, and not to curl up on the sidelines, uh, like you said, and become a domestic house cat, and actually go out there and speak the truth. Is it our moral obligation? It absolutely is. And if we don't feel morally obliged to go out strong and speak loudly and clearly on this issue, then for what issue will we feel obliged to speak out? Because it's this issue that guarantees all the other issues. If you don't have the bedrock right to life, then all the other rights are up for grabs. You know, the right to private property, the right to speech, freedom of assembly, worship, you know, arms, whatever, whatever rights that you're, you're really passionate about. If you're not willing to stand upon the ground that all these other rights build their edifice upon, then you're not, you're not up to snuff. This is where it begins, and this is where it ends. It's just baffling that people don't become passionate about it. This is the pivotal issue. You know, the slippery slope, uh, someone from who grew up in Canada, such as I, we see where this goes, because people who are born in Canada or, the, or England or, or the, the Netherlands, is that we've been down this, this shaft before. You know, we know where it ends. Uh, Americans, uh, not so much. Uh, but if they don't stand up for the, the issues at the beginning of life, 
then it's a slippery slope because the same forces who hate life come at life at the end of the spectrum. And so it's no longer just the pre-born and the newborn who are under attack, but then it becomes, uh, as it's happening in Canada with MAID, made um, medical assistance in dying, is that your right to die becomes your obligation to die. It is a disgust for life, because life is the gift of God. And you end up having a situation in which you are no longer fighting just to preserve the life of a little child, but now you're ending with a battle trying to preserve the life of your handicapped, mentally handicapped son or your, your uh, elderly mother. And the pressure just builds. It does not go away. And I think part of the issue here is that people want to defer and put off to tomorrow the battle they need to engage in today thinking that the reserves will be better tomorrow, but your reserves will be depleted. Even the little you have will be taken from you. That is the issue. It's not just the beginning of life issues. It's also the end of life. That's where it's going to go. It is an attack on the elderly, on the sick, on the infirm, on the handicapped. We've come full circle from the time of the Nazis with the the attack on uh, the elderly and the handicapped or euthanasia. It's at both ends of the spectrum, and if we don't hold our ground now at this end of it, it's very quickly going to be expedited, and they're coming after our elderly. Yeah, here in Ohio, if things don't go the right way after the 7th of November, there will be no tomorrow. Uh, Father, some, is there any encouragement for those uh, who pray, who pray the rosary, who uh, go to Mass, to the Divine Liturgy, in all sincerity, who fast and who, who deeply want God's intercession here through his Blessed Mother to clear the minds of people who are going to be voting on this thing and to give us some encouragement that these prayers are being are going to be heard because you look at the dominoes falling in other states and you say, yes, there are thousands and maybe millions of people of, of goodwill and faith praying, and yet this stuff happens. So God does not guarantee us success in this world. He does guarantee us deep, abiding peace and happiness, even if we lose this, okay? The hope that we Christians have through this process is that through our prayers, through our fasting, through our acts of mortification, our almsgiving, and our brave witness to the gospel on this issue of life, then we become mirrors of Him who is life itself. We become light bearers, truth bearers, bearers of love and life. And so when this, if this passes, and this becomes the law of the land and uh, the, the Constitution in Ohio, then I guess the upswing for your Catholic listeners is this, that you will be the prophets, you will be the, the purified witnesses, the confessors, to whom these people will come in their moment of need, because a lie is always revealed. A lie never endures. It's temporary. It's fleeting. And when that lie passes, and these who are now our opponents are limping, crying, lamenting, they will know to whom they can turn for forgiveness and consolation. And that is ultimate victory. When you win a soul for Jesus Christ, that is victory. You have just won eternity for one person. And as you know, we hear in the Gospels, that he who turns a sinner back to, to God has a multitude of sins forgiven. In our eyes, you know, that's, that's the, the ultimate victory. So that's, that's my message of hope. Even if we lose short-term politically, long-term, our credibility as truth-bearers and light-bearers is magnified, it's extolled, 
and it will be purified by this process. And when those who are now our enemies are wounded by the very idol they worship, they will know to whom they can turn for healing and for restoration and hopefully forgiveness. Father, you began our program with a beautiful hymn to the Theotokos, more honorable than the cherubim, by far more glorious than the seraphim. This is recited at every uh, Eastern divine liturgy, and it is very much a part of your life now because through the intercession of the Theotokos, the Blessed Virgin, Mother of God, uh, you have some ideas and concrete plans now to work through her for the benefit of life in your area of uh, Pittsburgh, where you're currently assigned throughout the Midwest and, and indeed throughout all of the United States. Father, what is it that you can share with us that is such big news? Thank you, Dick. I'm hoping, uh, through the grace of God and the generosity of God's people, uh, to erect a holy altar like Moses, like Elijah, uh, like so many of the saints throughout the ages, in reparation to God for the sins of our nation, under the protection of Mary Most Holy. That's what we're hoping to, to build, and I think by the grace of God and the generosity of His people, it will come about. You know, you look throughout the land, and you see memorials to the war dead, Korea, World War II, uh, the Civil War, the War of Independence, and what we notice is that people put up there the names of their war dead, so they'll never be forgotten. But if you add up all the war dead, it doesn't compare to the number of war dead we have faced since Roe v. Wade was enacted in 1973. What do we have to show to God our remorse and contrition for the 65 million children that we put through the fires of Moloch since 1973? There is no ground zero. There, there is no memorial at ground zero. There, there, there is nothing for them. So it is a desire on the part of uh, myself and many others to erect a holy altar to God uh, under the patronage of His Blessed Mother for the forgiveness of our sins against life and family. And it's also a concrete, incarnate, tangible manifestation of our sorrow. It's a place of forgiveness where people who've been involved and impacted by sins against life and family can go to in pilgrimage, and there not only to find forgiveness, but ultimately healing. So that, that's what we're trying to do. And the reason it's dedicated to the Mother of God is because that's God's recipe. The restoration of a fallen humanity began through the Blessed Mother, and then the conversion of the, sin, the, the hardened hearts of the people in the Americas was, was affected through the apparition of Mary in Guadalupe and uh, in 1531 to St. Juan Diego. And here, and they, they, were, they were involved in that said same sacrifice that we're doing now, human sacrifices. Uh, and that ended when she appears pregnant, you know, to Juan Diego. And here now, no coincidence, almost 500 years later in 2031, when we'll be finished uh, having this consecrated, this shrine, this is the exact same demon that we have fallen into again. It's human sacrifice. Because Mary was seen as the instrument uh, to turn around the people of the Aztecs, uh, so too now she is the instrument uh, by which we are, our nation will turn around as a concrete sign of sorrow uh, for what our nation has done against life and family. And Father, this altar that you uh, plan to erect is part of also a shrine, and you, you already have a location. You have a huge plot of li- a land 
uh, in the Pittsburgh area, right? And you have concrete plans, and uh, what you need now are, are people to, um, to join the effort. Tell us a little bit about uh, the location and, and what this altar, this shrine would look like and who it would serve. Yes, well, it's located in, near the Pittsburgh airport because this is the one place in the country where over 60% of the population of our country can drive within one day. So uh, it's the demographic center of the country for people who are driving, and that's why it's here. It's not because I think the Steelers are better than the Browns or anything like that. It's strictly because we wanted something that was accessible for the, the greatest number of people. And it is yeah, right uh, not too far from the airport. We are asking people, if they want to experience God's blessings, to contribute. Contribute funds, Holy Protection and Mary Foundation here, or they can uh, contribute if they have you know, jewelry that they have used for the iconography and the iconostats or the altar, then maybe you don't have funds to do it, but you may have, um, you know, jewelry that you, you, you treasure and you want to have that given as a sacrifice to beautify God's temple. Maybe you have talent. You know, maybe you're a skilled uh, carpenter. Maybe you're a skilled woodworker or a skilled stone mason. Then give that. And it is going to be—it's not going to be, Dick, the largest church in America. It will, however, be the most beautiful church in America, and it is going to be based upon San Vitale's in uh, Ravenna, Italy, which is one of those beautiful churches that fully encompasses and embodies the, the beauty of the East and the beauty of the West, all at that time when East and West were one. Uh, that's the interior of it. it, will be very much like San Ravenna's, uh, San Vitale's in Ravenna, but it will be uh, exteriorly uh, a reflection of, of one of the gold dome churches in Kiev, Ukraine, St. Michael's. It will be a source of evangelization. I belong to a church, St. Elias, up in Canada uh, many years ago in Brampton, Ontario, and the, the silhouette of that church was so strikingly beautiful that we had Hindus, Jews, Muslims stopping on the road, turning around, coming in, asking for tours of the church. And I myself have heard this question many times from me on these tours, what inspired you to build such a beautiful church? And the answer is Jesus Christ. Beauty becomes evangelization. And, and that's one of the hopes uh, of this, is that in building this edifice as a concrete manifestation of our tears, of our sorrow for what we've done to the babies that God sent us, that we're going to build something that is an act of reparation, but it's also a declaration of the beauty of Jesus Christ, and it will be the means by which a sin-hardened nation comes and turns back to him. Because in cancel culture now, you can't talk to people. You, you can't have honest debates. You can't have honest exchanges of ideas. You're canceled. So in a time when people are blind and people are deaf, what can you do is when they're nearly blind, I should say nearly deaf totally, is all you can do is you resort to the last, the last resort, which is beauty. You build something that penetrates their ignorance, their hatred, their prejudices, their animosity against God, and it speaks to beauty, and that's a universal That's a universal attribute of God. That's the goal. That's the goal, is ultimately it's saving souls. And this is laid out in a website I, I want our listeners to know, holyprotectionshrine.org, holyprotectionshrine.org. That would be uh, short for the, the protection of the Mother of God. She has, over the years, protected Christianity, Catholicism, empires, if you will, by her holy protection, by her, her mantle. Lepanto comes to mind, uh, Pokrova in, uh, 
in Ukraine so many times, Father, and people can see a little bit about this when they go to holyprotectionshrine.org. It's not a coincidence that you invoke the protection of the Mother of God, very uh, deeply ingrained Ukrainian Catholic thought for this shrine. Yes, uh, this is the one Marian devotion, Dick, that has never really migrated to the, the Roman Catholic liturgical calendar. And there's one caveat. The, the, the Dominicans, on their old calendar, they had it. But um, on, on the whole, the Western lung of the Church, John Paul II spoke about, you know, the Church having two lungs, you know, East and West. And uh, this one feast, Marian feast, has never migrated. You know, the Feast of Mary's Nativity, the Feast of Mary's uh, Dormition, they've all migrated over to the Western calendar. But the one that never did is the one that our nation needs now more than ever, and it is the patronage for protection. And um, it's October 1st uh, for the Roman Catholics, that's St. Therese of Lisieux. And uh, time and again in Church history, Mary has appeared invoking uh, this sense of people coming to her under her veil, under her mantle, under her protection. And if they do that, they will have safety. And this is, this is I think, this, this theme of safety and protection is what we're so greatly in need of at this point. I think uh, this devotion hopefully will, will spread to, uh, to the Universal Church because it's, it's the one great need of our Church, which is going through so much turmoil right now is Mary as protectress. I believe that. I believe it with all my being. As you say, Father uh, Sharon, no better person to lead the way in this uh, particular effort, both in the establishment of the shrine in the Pittsburgh area, which you, uh, we want people to know again, holyprotectionshrine.org, and also to mediate with her son for people's minds to be opened here in Ohio and vote no on this utterly disastrous issue one, as you so eloquently put at the beginning of our discussion, an episodic battle in the spiritual war that is now going on for the souls of men and women here on earth. Father Jason Sharon, we thank you very much for being with us. And before we close, one more prayer so that we know who we are and where we're going and what we need to do while we're still here on this earth. Lord our God, you signed us at our baptism, at our confirmation, you set us apart. And we ask you that you would give us your grace now to help us be mindful of our noble calling through baptism as sons and daughters of a heavenly kingdom, of a heavenly king. Grant us, Lord, a mind that is grateful, a mind that is not forgetful, but a mind that is compliant to the will of you, our Father, that the world may see our life, our manner of speech, and give glory to you, that all may be all in you when your Son, Jesus Christ, comes again. Amen. Amen. Father Jason Sharon, a priest of the Ukrainian Catholic Eparchy of St. Josaphat in Parma, Ohio, currently in Pittsburgh. Please go to holyprotectionshrine.org to find out more about this effort and uh, tell your friends about this program so that they too can uh, listen in. Father Jason, we're grateful for your presence here, for your prayers, and for your enlightening those who are listening about uh, what's at stake here in Ohio and then what uh, in the long term we can do Uh, with the blessings and the protections of the Mother of God going to her Son, our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 